Hey everyone, we're here at the Roche Court Educational Trust in their new art centre. We are Salisbury Sixth Form College and have had the opportunity to create this podcast thanks to the RSA who sponsored the project. Today we are meeting with Charlotte Verity in front of her artwork. Charlotte currently has three paintings exhibiting in the design house at Roche Court, which include Ponder, Buds and From Above, which were all painted during the year of 2020. We interviewed Charlotte Verity about her beautiful art pieces that are displayed at Roche Court, surrounded by the natural light in one of the rooms. What happens is, as an artist, you you have a wider subject. You, 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 want, to, you want to reflect the big world somehow. And each artist finds a way of doing a sort of a funnel to do that with. You've got so much choice. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I want, as, a, as an artist, you want to sort of comment on what it's like to be alive. And I found that the best way for me to do that was to um, observe and record and make something strong and new um, out of what I see. And part of that was the way the world changes and moves on and time progresses. I'm going to want, I want to talk a lot about time when I talk to you. It seemed to me the most exciting, the most engaging thing to do was to follow the seasons. And um, of course that takes you out into what nature you can find. Now, until six months ago, I lived in a pretty run-down part of south-east London and uh, lived there all my adult life, really. Um, and so, and I, I did have a little patch of garden and so that's why I used the garden as a sort of springboard, really, for all my ideas, all my feelings, all my um, sense of what the world is like and what my position in it. Charlotte develops her artworks very slowly, showing an intimate connection into open space and the wider world. She previously worked in her garden in southeast London, where she spent the majority of her time producing and gaining inspiration for the focal point of her work. She's now moved to the countryside. Charlotte immerses herself in the outside world through incorporating elements of nature into her indoor environment. Her work follows the natural progression through seasons and the steady passing of time. Charlotte was originally born in Germany into an RAF camp, but didn't live there long and moved back to England shortly after. She attended the Slade School of Art from 1973 to 1977. In 1978, she was awarded an international scholarship to study in Italy. Her work has since been regularly exhibited in London since 1980, and she also presents her work solo and in groups. Um, Funnily enough, um, at your stage, I had a really good art teacher at school, and um, so if you don't mind I might start there because actually I do think I remember wanting to be an artist from the age of 14 Mm -hmm. and and that period between 14 and applying for art school I really wanted to be one but I had no idea if it was possible and um, it was only towards the end of that time at school I realised it was possible Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as an outside chance, it was possible. Um, so I'd, I'd rather start back at school. Yeah. So I, d- I do think by the time your age, 
you, you've already accumulated a lot of experience and things that will make you artists if that's what you want to be and certainly contribute to your, your life in the art world. Um, so I was a very, very shy and lonely teenager and um, I, so art is one thing that you, you can spend a lot of time on your own and the school was actually in the countryside so I did spend a lot of time um, and I was given time which I think is I'm eternally grateful for it wasn't a rushed environment really it was pressured but not rushed mm-hmm. and um, I read a lot I was, nearly went to university to do literature wow. um, and so uh, these two things were very formative and I had a very, very good art teacher who encouraged me. And before that, I didn't think I was good at anything. You know, I, I felt very average at everything. It was a horrible mm-hmm. feeling, actually. And then this art teacher realised that um, I did look at things in a slightly different way from everybody else. At the time I thought my drawings looked different from everybody else I thought, well, that's not good mm-hmm. you know um, so, but anyway, he encouraged me and I found that my, before the art lessons, that was the I'd get nervous, I'd worry that I would do it well and, and so I realised that that was what was most important to me so I got to the Slade and the Slade was very small 12 people in one year and at that point, it was, you know, this was the 70s, I don't know if you can imagine that, but <laughs> the art world was being fragmented into conceptual art, abstract art, figurative mm-hmm. art, and um, it was quite a battle going on between figurative art and abstract art, and I, I was really interested in abstract art, mm-hmm. loved, loved looking at it, I really wondered if I could do it. Um, and actually, I just wanted to learn how to paint. I'd never, be, I'd never done an oil painting before I went to... Well, I had, actually. My father was an amateur artist, so I had tried, but I really didn't know much. I'd never done oil painting at school, so I really wanted to paint. So I got myself into a, a tutorial group where I knew I would learn the basics of putting paint on canvas. Yeah. And... This teacher, that that sort of group of teachers, were very figurative, mm-hmm. and but they did tell you know I did learn about colour and all the things you need to know really. But I think probably looking back at it, one thing they em- emphasised was um, a sort of sense of exactitude mm-hmm. um, and that gives you a very high standard. At that time, were there any particular artists that you really started drawing a lot of inspiration from at that point of time in school? Mm. Yes, I wonder what made me want to be an artist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit of a nerdy teenager. I used to go to the, v- the V&A in London a lot on my own. And I, down at the bottom of the V&A, they had um, groups of... I do know John Constable's work. Um, he did millions of sketches, and they're very 
um, oil, what they call oil sketches, and they're mm-hmm. actually little paintings, very quick, very uh, brilliant um, notations of what he saw. Okay. A landscape that he lived in Suffolk and his landscape, and I loved seeing those and going to those and of course there was sort of Monet and the Impressionists and mm-hmm. there were very very good shows then, Monet wasn't a hackneyed artist at that point wasn't popular yeah. I was very interested in how he <coughs> quickly noted down what he saw and then you get to art school and then you're influenced by all sorts of <laughs> different people including your tutors who you have to break away from yeah. Afterwards, so there was a tutor there called Ewan Newglow who was very figurative, um, and but very involved in putting down what he saw. Mm-hmm. And so I, I learnt from him, but then struggled after I left art school to get away from uh, those influences. But there was also another tutor called Patrick George who wasn't well known, and he painted landscape in. Um, and actually, in a funny way, he was almost more radical. Um, so, post your education, what was life like, um, like post-university? Yeah, difficult stage after you've left college um, to know how to manage. I needed, I, th- I thought at the time, I needed daylight to work. Yeah. And I needed some money. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought, well, the best thing I can do is work in a the theatre so that I could paint during the day and work at night. And I'd already done a holiday job in a bookshop. Oh, um, I guess that links good to your... So I worked at the National Theatre Bookshop in the evenings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did a day's studio work in the studio and then cycled to the theatre. Oh, wow. um, and that worked quite well. That sounds like it worked. Yeah. That sounds impressive. <laughs> and, and at the time... And then, actually, as I was coming to the end of that, I was um, a, a gallery, with, a very small gallery, was interested in my work, so I began to show that. Um, and I remember walking to work, walk, walking to the bookshop, mm-hmm. having had a conversation with the gallerist over the over Westminster Bridge, and thinking, you know, I may not have to do this all that, you know, much more. <laughs> I may just be able to make money from. From working as an artist, but it was, um, yeah, it was a little while before I did. Um, so, mm. when you did your first exhibition, like, mm. I'm, I'm curious as to kind of what you were feeling going into it. Like, for people who are just starting out, like, what is something to really remember when you're going to set up an exhibition? Like, the key things to go in, like, thinking, like, yeah. to not stress yourself out. Mm. You know? <laughs> I'm not really a very good person to ask that. I do stress myself out (laughs) before I put in an exhibition but I am learning gradually to really enjoy it Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really important to me to show the work to other people it's not a private I don't do it for private reasons so you want people to see that I do, yes I Um, guess that stress is a good thing as well because it means you're putting a lot of thought and feeling into it. If you're not stressed about it, then it, I guess it kind of shows that you care about it as well. It does. You're quite right. You're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of, again, kind of continuing the sort of flow. Mm. Um, what were your sort of 
inspirations for like some of the pieces that we're surrounded by? Ah, oh, yes, I'll talk about them. So it's very difficult starting a painting. You know, you've got so much choice. Um, it's very important to have paintings that you work one from the other to the other. But for me, I have to start with a new motif um, each time. I'm not someone who works in batches. So I, in my old garden, I used to... No, it's not even just about the garden, actually. Just walking around. This is late summer. Um, it seemed the sky was the most, the most beautiful thing that, that I was experiencing at the time. So I could find a way of painting the sky. I've got to find a way of painting this sensation of showing, of showing that this is important to how we live. It's a beautiful sky. So, just to summarise, try and summarise the my rather probably weird procedure. I'd go out into the garden and I'd kind of uh, get into a very sort of open frame of mind mm-hmm. without many ideas about, except for this sort of one yeah. overarching thing. Mm-hmm. And I found uh, the, the plumbago, which was the most spectacular thing at the time, and also seemed to reflect what I was thinking about um, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the, the sky. And, and so that's called plumbago. And the other thing that um, interested me about the, the plant is um, the title, the, the name of the plant is, derives from the word for lead. So it's a lead, um, a sort of leadish blue, a grey blue, right, right, yeah. you know. Um, and oh, this is going to sound really weird. I love the word ponder because the word ponder has a sense of weight to it because it the root of the word is the same as the root for lead um, and has a weight to it and it's a way it's what I do a lot of is pondering which yeah. <laughs> is sort of really de- a mixture of really deep thinking and really deep feeling and anyway so that's that's the sort of thinking that keeps me going while I'm painting but also the other thing that keeps me going is really really close observation Verity's piece Ponder appears slightly abstract, including sparsely laid out blue flowers on a simple background, with the pale reflections of the flowers below. This is earlier summer, and um, again, the most spectacular thing at that time was this a massive rose. It's called a Kiftsgate rose. I don't know if anyone knows it, but it's it's sort of a mad thing to have planted. It's completely it's got these huge heads of white flowers. I just didn't know if I could paint it. Um, so it was in a way a challenge. Um, this is from my studio window looking down onto this, these clouds of, of flowers. Um, and imagine being, say, you know, faced with that scene out there. How would you start? So difficult. Um, Anyway, I plunged in and I found a way of, of being engaged. And 
um, I was totally engaged with it as, until the part began to lose its petals. And it is done over time. So the, the, the fullest ones, I would say, but the last ones, if you see down at the bottom, that's, that's the flower once all the petals fallen off and yes so um, again what interests me about painting figuratively and what people get very confused about I think is uh, I'm doing something that a photograph can't do Mm. or maybe a photograph can do it I mean photography seems to be Uh, forgive me, photography. No, right. right. <laughs> photography seems to be capable of doing most things, but actually what really interests me is trying to do something that photography can't do. And that, again, mentioning time again, is this element of time. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, I'm in one place, but I'm moving through time, and I'm recording that as I go, mm-hmm. without destroying the image the initial and the initial impulse to paint that scene as it were I think it's quite interesting to talk about the sky a lot because something that really sticks out to me in your work is the backgrounds yes Um, and how they're not particularly busy at all but they still really well complement what's in the frame and I'm just I just wanted to ask a bit more about like the choice of the background especially in these rooms particularly you can see that um, I've moved towards this position. Um, early on, I did lots of still lives, and I, I was never really very happy with them because of all the other stuff that was coming in. And I realised I, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want you lot, the viewer, to be trapped in a room with the sort of the stuff that I wasn't interested in. If you saw what I mean by looking at the painting, so I've worked very hard at isolating and trying to. Um, so um, it might help if I talk about where I paint. Yeah, yes, of course. So these two paintings were painted inside. I've got a long, I had a long table, um, and I put the, the the flowers, whatever they were, inside. But very much refreshing them from the garden all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's not one set of flowers at one time in one place. I have to keep changing them because as they faded. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do enjoy and get a lot out of working from outside, and um, when I when I can, it's, uh, it's it's easier to make a better painting. I've decided <laughs> inside because of the controlled environment. But this is actually a sort of semi. This is me inside, but painting outside. So I had the window wide open. Yeah. I was almost sort of on the plants. Um, so a lot of the other paintings that are painted outside. Mm-hmm. So inside, I can control the background. Mm-hmm. And the, there are technical things about painting. You don't. So this. So the cold, the blue is a very very cold colour, yeah. um, and the grey is pretty cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't want a totally cold painting. So the warmth of the middle band, um, you know, brings in the sunshine. Or brings in the wall, brings in. Yeah. And actually, I haven't mentioned the reflections on that. That was something that you pointed out. It was. No, I might talk about that later. Just made me think of the lake. I just loved it. Yes. Um, and here, 
This is quite a new thing for me. I, I got very excited. I honestly think they're fabulous. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've talked about being trapped in a, in a place. Well, I found when I did, I had a piece of sheet of glass. I was wondering how to, you're, you're sitting inside in a sort of rather hot, noisy studio and you, you want to get the sort of this sensation of being outside, inside. Yeah. And um, I found, I'd, I just by chance saw the reflections of the flowers in a piece of glass and I found it really interesting. It took me into a different time, mm-hmm. different place. I was brought up near the river. The reflections are important. And I got very, I just got completely engrossed in that. And, and I found in my mind, it took me right back to all sorts of experiences. It's interesting how um, that works, isn't it? It's like so interesting. One small thing can small trigger things. all of that. So interesting. Mm. And it's so interesting how, I've just read something that said, um, your, your mind has memories that you don't have, if you see what I mean. You, you know, your whole body has memories. Mm. And so often when I'm painting, those memories emerge. Verity's painting Buds features a similar background to her piece Ponder, with a brighter, more varied colour palette and multiple variations of flowers. And this painting um, is called Buds, and um, I don't know what it is, but that, that seemed a really crucial thing to paint that year. Um, I don't know whether it was the fact that I started having grandchildren or lots of babies around and it was just all wonderful and I needed to find a way of, you know, getting some, some of this optimism and, um, and, then, and then I realised just what an amazing thing a bud is. It's just such a beautiful shape. You know, they you use it in architecture and uh, it's just such a powerful very powerful, powerful uh, form mm-hmm. um, and you know, just another example of being completely in awe of, of how nature sorts itself out. Yeah, and in that image in particular, like, because obviously there's a lot of things surrounding the burning flowers, but the colour choices in them, like there's a lot of really vibrant colours within the buds, so they mm. still stand out surrounded by all of that, and it's just Another thing that I really like about this one is just people crafting that sense. But in terms of like colour choices that you do make, yeah. like, like what like process did, do you go through to like select your palettes? Because like with that one and that one, I think the palettes are much more limited. But with this one, there's a lot more variety in them. Yeah. So I'm just yeah, I'm curious as like as what makes you decide to pick the colours, mm. yes. Well, I take my lead from what I see, yeah. always. Um, so that's, that's the sort of incoming bit, the sort of outcoming bit, is you have to make a painting, mm. construct a painting, and a painting is very powerful, at least I think it is, mm. can be, want to make it more powerful um, object, what has a world of its own, everything. Uh, relates everything has an effect on on the other thing. So if I suddenly, so you're constructing this new world in the painting, and so any major um, any 
any sort of very pure colour will disrupt everything, it'll take centre stage. Yeah. So, terribly difficult question to answer that one because it's all mm. it's all quite intuitive, but knowing at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Um, tone is also really important. I um, haven't done very well at tone in these ones actually, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, you know that the dark, the black, dark light yeah. thing yeah. has to be controlled, and oddly enough. You know, some of my favourite paintings are Spanish painting, where, where they're so brilliant at uh, light and dark and mm-hmm. controlling the light. You, wouldn't, you couldn't tell from these, but I have painted dark paintings. <laughs> uh. I, guess I, I guess what I've taken away from that is, like, colour palettes are very personal choice, and it's not necessarily something that's always fixed in a painting. Colour? Um, I think it's one of those wonderful things that... Um, comes out of your, yourself almost naturally yeah. um, like handwriting or something um, but I never I never think of them as my colours I always get my cue from yeah. outside so just to kind of like follow on from like your process yeah. how do you know when a piece is done like is it a physical feeling or is it like mm. you look at it and you're like I think that's that's good for this. Hmm. Quite a dangerous feeling, that one. Okay. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. feel you put the brush down and think, that's good. It really often turns out to be not good. I get that. At, yeah. at that point. <laughs> so it's incredibly disappointing. Anyway, you have to have those moments. You think, well, that's good. Put your brush down. Mm-hmm. And then you leave it a little bit. And at least I do. Um, and uh, then you go back to it and you've just got to be open to any of the sort of niggly, niggly yes, little that voice that says, do you really mean to leave that bit like that forever? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, actually in my case, because I work uh, with the seasons, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually have to put the brush down at certain times and move on oh, wow. because if you're painting in autumn, you know, if you get to autumn and you're still painting about the summer, you're not in the right frame of mind yeah. Yeah, at all. Yeah, you're not surrounded by the same inspirations. Yes, yeah, and you're, you've moved on. and So you've got to leave the pa- mm-hmm. painting behind. It, in a yeah, funny way, it's a sort of a device I have for moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I have... I have gone back to paintings after several years and gone over them actually. Mm. Seen them, exhibited them, got back to the studio and thought, really, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have shown it. And then I guess with that, for people who, maybe especially like younger artists who haven't had a lot of time to experiment, would you say that it is quite important to try different mediums of art to really get a better you know, outlook on the possibilities with your own work? Yes, I, I would. Mm. I didn't actually, um, but I, perhaps I, I should have done. But what you should do is sort of notice in yourselves uh, how engaged you are in each activity, the sort of engagement where you rather forget everything else um, and you want to come back to it. Um, so that is your intuition and your feelings. 
if it's an intellectual thing, oh, I must do this, it makes a good painting, or it makes a good print, or it makes a good photograph, or whatever, your head, your mind working, that probably isn't quite so sustainable. But just notice in yourselves what's going on um, sort of underneath, as it were. Yeah. Um, so, just to open it up a bit, like, yeah. you're, you're talking about all these like really nice ideas about young artists and stuff. And so, what advice would you give to young artists or people who are just starting out with art? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, it's such a different world to when I started out. Mm-hmm. I would go to art school, definitely. I, a lot of artists try and avoid it now. Mm-hmm. But I would go um, and just, what do they say, suck it up. <laughs> take, 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 take whatever comes your way and find your position in that because the art school is a sort of little mini art world and the mini art world is a reflection of the bigger art world so you need to navigate you know if you can navigate an art school frankly you can navigate most things (laughs) yeah and then when you're at art school um, you know really push for what you want to do yeah um and get some good teaching, just fight for good teaching. Yeah. Mm. Well, with that, I guess the only thing really left to say is like, what would you say is in your future, what you're looking forward to doing next? Like, do you have any upcoming projects that you're really excited about? Oh, well, yes, I do. I, I've just uh, moved from, the, from London to the country mm. and I have got, for the first time, a really proper studio. I I just I'm so happy and I'm really optimistic so all I want to do now is um, work in this studio and and see what see what happens I I mean I painted these in a in a studio but uh, the light was very difficult you know kept changing Um, I if I wanted to make watercolour monotypes, I had to just do that, um, and because oil and water don't mix, and I was worried about getting mm. messy oil paints all muddled up with pristine prints, and you know. So now I've got two spaces, so I can do both of those things, and um, that's it. That's my future. That's, <laughs> that's all I want to do now. Ask you a question. Um, how many of you draw and paint from observation? Good. Just you? And you? All of you? Good. Good. But don't, don't um, do keep doing it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't think I've emphasised enough about. Maybe I have. Maybe I've been boring about it. But I, I just observation is fantastically important and it's it's led to great science um, as well as art and I mean observation of the real thing not, not your screen yeah. um, because sound when you observe the sound and there's the changeability um, um, you know and all these other elements that are very important but your eyes are so crucial <laughs> look after them <laughs> I don't think art should be that obvious I think it's like a process it's a gradual thing yeah. it's something that requires thought and care in the same way that 
Well, I write a lot of poetry. Oh, I'm so glad you think that. I really think it's important to spend time in front of paintings, especially as young people, to really just don't be embarrassed about, you know, standing in front of a painting for a quarter of an hour. Yeah. You know, really, it's the best way to get anything from it. And you won't, the, all those minutes in that quarter of an hour won't be about thinking about the painting. It'll, you'll, you'll drift off, but then you come back and you, you, you've absorbed this work of art into yourself and you keep noticing things if it's a good one. Um, I did spend a quite a lot of, I do spend quite a lot of time doing that. It's really important to go to galleries, to revisit paintings you thought you liked before, mm-hmm. keep going back if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure the galleries uh, keep themselves free all your lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Big campaigner for that. <laughs> um, don't let them charge you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just so that, because they're yours, you, should, you must go back to them and um, revisit them. And as I say, don't look sideways and don't feel embarrassed about spending time. And also when you're painting from observation, time is the thing that matters. You've got to give it time. Thank you for listening to this series and a big thank you to the people who made this series possible. The RSA are an organisation who have been running for over 250 years with the goal of sharing their vision to get young people involved in creative subjects and engage them in conversations with those who make the most of their artistic passion. Art Society Wessex contributed funding for this podcast too. Finally, thank you to the co-producers Dan Coggins, Zach James and the creative students at the Salisbury Sick Form. As this is the last of the series, we want to give credit to all the other schools and artists in the series, and you can go check these out on our podcast channel.